Can you see my fingers? Shut up. I'm going to count down to three. Can you see them? I hate you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We discuss all kinds of fictional monsters, creatures, and beasts, from the alien to the mythological and supernatural, from all corners of pop culture. I'm your host, Joe Prasca. just gets me so freaking hyped yo (laughs) well if it wasn't evident already we are going to be discussing a buffy episode today so hopefully a lot of you are whedon fans like us yay yay (laughs) um khalid i don't know about you but uh growing up buffy and angel and sort of that whole i guess you call it buffy verse was a big part of uh getting me into being a genre fan and like like in monsters in general how about you uh yeah man that is a hundred percent a good description of my upbringing too i freaking loved the buffy series and then i adored the angel series that spun off from it it was just everything i wanted like it had like that like just like nice edge of nihilism to it all while also still being like quirky and like you knew our heroes were for the most part okay all the time um angel definitely played with that a lot more as far as like making you worry for the characters but ah it's it's just it's just so dope and like i learned so much about monsters and like i think that's like eventually like led to me being a fan of like the first few seasons of supernatural like what few horror movies i was into was because of buffy really like it's just dope. 100% agreed. I have very vivid memories of being like a middle schooler, getting ready for school, and I'd always turn on Buffy in the morning. It was it was either Buffy or Star Trek Voyager, which were on syndication, and for some reason we're on at like 6.30 a.m. in the morning. But I remember watching those all the time before I would get on the bus. It was just like a staple of my morning, and I'll never forget that. See, that was Angel for me, interestingly enough. Like on TNT, like they just had like – every episode of angel playing every morning uh, around the same time and it was always a fight between me and my sister to watch angel reruns or like america's next top model reruns and you wanted the top model right yeah man something about tyra just like devastating those hopeful models i I really connected to it classic yeah so um 
we are not going to be discussing the entire show of Buffy, which you could take a, an entire podcast dedicated to the entire show. I'm sure there are plenty out there, but uh, we're talking about a specific episode today. Uh, Khalid, do you want to tell us what episode we're talking about? Uh, yeah, today we are going to be talking about season four, episode ten, "Hush," uh, which is uh, at least with it, within the Buffyverse like fandom, a very like popular, infamous episode. I'd say it's right up there with "Once More with Feeling" as far as like those like genre busting like formats that they did every once in a while and uh yeah this one was written and directed by the creator joss whedon and uh our homeboy google has a pretty succinct description of it uh basically the plot of the episode is that sunnydale residents lose the power of speech as mysterious creatures search the town for human hearts to steal so yeah real neat real lean there's definitely like side plots and sub and like other things going on that also play into like the grander scheme of the season. But within this specific episode, that's really all you need to know. Cue the music. What a monster! That creature's at the abstract level of potential energy. It's alive. So anyway, Khalid, we picked this one because it's a pretty pretty well-loved and well-known episode within the series but uh just general thoughts what do you think of it uh really liked it actually um i remember being way more scared of it when i was younger but i guess like it's probably been close to like 10 15 years at least since i've seen it so that's understandable um it was still really cool though the, I, i'm always like a fan of the makeup and stuff that the mon- the demons and monsters have to go through on this show and this episode is no exception to that like they do a lot of really cool stuff and you can just tell that it's a real team effort with that show where everybody is like looking for ways that they can like elevate this like in lesser hands hokey material right and it's so scrappy too like you know that they don't have like massive budgets to work with. So it's really fun just to see how they came together and like made these things so effectively creepy as they are. Um, And I'm with you though. When I watched this as younger, when I was younger, it was very scary and it's still like the imagery is still creepy, but I had just a lot more fun. I think watching it just being like, Oh, and and, you know, we're going to get into this later, but that's Doug Jones is the, the lead gentleman who is one of the most underrated actors ever, but he is, wonderful and it's just super, super fun for me to watch dougie jones dougie jones um <laughs> uh do you know kind of the story behind this episode uh i know a little bit about the story but uh it sounds like you really know the story so i mean like i guess like correct me if i'm wrong but isn't it mostly like just like the world's greatest like flex from somebody who felt a little salty where it was like everybody's like oh just we didn't like all he knows is dialogue and being like snappy when it's and 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 he's just like, oh, is that what you think? Is that what you think? I mean that yeah. In a nutshell, that's that's it. Yeah, he was he was praised for being having snappy dialogue, and he kind of wanted to see if he could still tell a good story without it. That was pretty much the setup for this. So if if you did, if you haven't seen the episode, Buffy is on Hulu. You can go check it out. Season four, episode ten. Um, there's 27 minutes of this that has absolutely no dialogue. So the premise is that the the gentlemen, the creatures that we're going to be talking about, steal the voices of the town so nobody can talk and communicate and nobody can scream, as we learn early on from a very creepy nursery rhyme, I think you would say. Dream nursery rhyme. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That I love that, actually, because that's the one thing that I feel like I and a lot of people forget about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that, like, among her many powers is, like, she's also vaguely psychic. And yeah, I was noticing th- that, too. I, f- I totally forgot about that. Yeah, they actually they actually do a good job of honoring that without leaning on it too much, you know? It's just, like, every time there's, like, something that's just, like, prophetically awful coming for her, she at least gets, like, a heads up, which would make sense when you think about, like, the origins of her power being, like, the, the, the I guess, maybe witches is the wrong term for it, but I can't remember what they were called when they made the first Slayer, but it would be, like, oh, yeah, if they're trying to, like, make something that, like, makes you a perfect warrior, uh, a certain spider sense type of precognition is gonna be in that grab bag of powers. Yeah, no, that, it, you definitely tracks. You're absolutely right. Before we actually move on to the gentlemen, the creatures themselves, I I feel like it's kind of an interesting to point out like how like weirdly timely watching this felt now. Did you notice that too? Uh yeah, definitely. Um there's the that whole I mean, it's just like in the host, you know, where uh this like crazy thing happens and everybody's mind immediately goes to like some kind of like virus or disease that has like captured the town um i found it amusing how quickly everything like devolved into chaos right up until i remember that that's just life right now uh and and you can't even you can't even like have that like remove anymore like the craziest stuff is just happening outside of our window every day it seems like so now like when you watch all of this stuff where it almost like lampoons humanity you're just like honestly you might have gone easy on us um my favorite part is like I think it's like a day after everybody in Sunnydale loses their voices and two guys in suits are just gonna fight. Um, <laughs> yeah, what is that? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Like I don't know whose decision it was to have him. And then there's just that guy with the briefcase that's just like sitting in the middle of the street, just like forlorn. And I'm just like. Is the Sunnydale business district like that prominent that like we have to see this many examples of like businessmen like just wrecked by this? Yeah, I guess. Other than that, uh, the other big thing was like that uh, everybody outside of Sunnydale is convinced is a hoax. That also kind of like gr- grinds my gears. Yeah, they know? think it's a la- it's laryngitis or a faulty vaccine or something. Yeah, that was annoying, but also believable. Um, yeah, that's just anytime anything reminds me of life anymore, the description is just annoying, but believable. Yeah, that, that agreed. There's actually an academic article that was written about that. Did you find that too? Uh, I did not. I went as far as the Wikipedia page. Yeah, the, the Wikipedia was surprisingly filled with stuff. It, very in-depth, which is why I tapped out after. I was like, I, if there's anything more thorough than this, I don't think I have it in me. Yeah, I was I was kind of doing some more research. I, I, I use Wikipedia as a jumping off point and I found some of the like went to look at some of their sources, but there's an academic article. It was published in the online international journal of Buffy Studies. So there's a whole academic journal just for Buffy, just so you know that. I believe it. I yeah. definitely believe it. But this one is called Screaming to Be Heard, Reminders and Insights on Community and Communication in Hush. And it talks about basically the idea of a power silencing its people or silencing people or the as as a form of stifling dissent or stifling freedom so the idea is that like the silence isn't necessarily people choosing to be silent but but silence being pressed on by like a tyrannical sort of power does that make sense 
Can you elaborate a little? Sure. I'll actually read the quote that I pulled. It says, Nice. Michel Foucault contends that power is frequently disseminated by governing what can be spoken and what must remain silent, thereby underscoring the centrality of communication to communal structures and interaction. Similarly, the educational writer Paulo Freire argues that a key ingredient in liberation from oppression is the power to speak, a power that the oppressed must win for themselves. Abandoned by powers... The oppressed must assume responsibility for their liberation. It will not be given or handed over to them. They can only achieve it by crying out and exercising their own voices. Wow. Yeah. I feel like it's like a lot more thought than than this episode puts into it just because they only have so much time. Like, I don't know that any of that really comes across to me. Does it come across to you? Uh, I mean, once I was reading about it, I feel like I could definitely see how that would apply. I don't, I can't really say if Whedon thought about it. I feel like, just the fact that there is a journal of Buffy studies means that there's a lot of people thinking way deeper on, on the straw and the story than I'm sure he even did himself. Um, but it's kind of cool, like to think of it through that lens a little bit. No, absolutely. And I mean, I think that like the thing that really makes this outside of like the format breaking, uh, of it all, I think that what makes this kind of stand out is like the, it's such a scary thought of a monster, like the ability to just like take your voice like that. Um, and because that's, that's kind of our last ditch thing is like, we can at least like scream and like maybe be heard, you know, if we're hurt or anything like that. So, yeah. And it takes the, even that concept away. Like the scream, like that's a whole point of the episode is you can't scream when they're there. Right. So it's so, so haunting to do that. And, um, I, I mean, I, 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 that's, that's, that's my big takeaway is like, I just keep like be left with that thought of like, it feels like, like, I guess sleep paralysis or something, you know, like when you have those like dreams where like you can't move or like you can't do something as easily as you could when you're awake. Like it feels like that where it's like, you're like the scariest moment in your life is like a waking nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> one last point before we move on to the creatures, I think is a really believable thing. Annoyingly believable to take a, a phrase from you. Uh, from this episode is that uh, right when everyone loses the ability to communicate, there's already somebody like selling whiteboards for like $10 a piece for people to just write what they want to say to each other. Like already people are capitalizing on it to make money. Yeah. uh, That is funny. And also just like, I guess that episode really came out at like the, one of the last points in history where this episode would, like need even that kind of a little flourish with the whiteboards and stuff because everybody would just text now right that would that like, yeah, exactly <laughs> it would not be that hard and I, I i mean yeah we'll get into it but i guess like it's like a the, there's still a strength in numbers with this with this monster that we'll talk about that like they never really address in the show like everybody why would you like if you know you can't scream for help like still be like in a room by yourself you know yeah so yeah, moving on to the actual creatures, they're called the gentlemen in the episode. And the, the basic setup of them is there are seven gentlemen and a whole bunch of, I think they're called footmen, that are these crazy little guys in straight jackets that run around and I think kept, kept, catch people for the gentlemen, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> that Yeah, they don't really explain their game plan because it looks like a lot of the times the gentlemen themselves like go after people. But then the footmen are also like off doing their own thing, like just like starting trouble. Like uh, 
military demon hunter Riley is like just like fighting a couple of them, but like there's no gentleman around, so it's like I I I don't know. Well, I, it's it's a weird game plan. Yeah, I mean there's a, there's a whole bunch of footmen, little little weird guys, but only seven gentlemen. So maybe they just need them to kind of like I don't know instill fear or chaos or something. Right, yeah, and they're not really fighters, and it's still Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so, like, you need a couple of things to, like, kick and punch. Yeah, the gentlemen themselves, they, they're, they, they, like, float, right? So they, they kind of, they float, they don't really walk, which is really, cre- that's creepy element to them, I think, too. Yeah, I, uh, I saw that, uh, that a lot of the actors, Doug Jones included, like, were using, like, stuff they'd learned through mime mm-hmm. to, to really convey the gentlemen's movements, and then, like, just like the way they'd move and like gesture more and um, other than like a few things with like a crane suspending them to like give that floating hovering effect. It's mostly just like their like miming ability that like really registers as to what's so terrifying about them. And that was like cool to find out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And just to build off that Doug Jones, the man, the legend, if you don't know Doug Jones, look him up. He's in, so many things he's in hellboy he's abe sapien he was in shape of water as the creature he's in star trek discovery as uh saru he is in pan's labyrinth as the dude with the eyeballs in his hands he is just so many monsters and i'm guessing he's going to be a recurring um person we talk about on this podcast a lot um and doug jones if you happen to be listening on this please come on our show we would love to have you yeah doug what are you holding out for <laughs> Um, do you want to describe what the gentlemen look like? Uh, yeah. So they've got like these like Mr. Belvedere looking suits, uh, like real like kind of posh and clean. But then like they're all just like ash and gray. Um, they've got uh kind of just like um, like like kind of caved in sides to the head, uh, shallow eyes, and then just metal teeth. Right? Is it metal? Yeah, it's metallic. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's like metallic teeth that like like they just look like grills, which is dope. And and they they never really do they open them often. It's mostly just like clenched teeth, open smile, like just like the worst yearbook photo. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, they don't open it at all. Yeah, they are very unnerving to look at. And at one point, they like do that thing like in the movie Signs, where like the alien just casually walks by that alleyway or whatever. Like they do that to Giles's um, what is it? Her his booty call that comes from London uh olivia yeah i don't i don't remember her character very much yeah i'm pretty sure she's only in it for like that season but um (laughs) she like walks by she like walks up to the window and opens it just as the thing like hovers by and that's like terrifying just because like i hate that when monsters just casually go by you like they're not monsters yeah kind of a jerk move yeah it's i mean just just acknowledge you're a monster and do monster stuff like it's, (laughs) it's, it's a fair ask Actually, fun fact, um, J- Doug Jones and one of the other gentlemen, I think his name, I wrote it down, Camden Tro- Toy, uh, were two, two of the seven were able to hold that smile, with the metallic smile with their teeth clenched without uh, any aids. So they just did it on their own the whole time. The other ones had like support in their mouth. Rookies. <laughs> and actually, uh, I'm just reading here now that other than Doug Jones, who I think also had experience with this, but everyone else were professional mimes. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's what I read, too, um, which is which is cool that mimes get work like that. Um, 
I always just assumed they had a very limited field of like professions to choose from. So it's nice to know that Hollywood has a place for them at times. Right. Exactly. I, d- I do have a question about the the footmen. Is that what we're calling it? I think so. Uh, yeah. So the foot the footmen. Um, why? Where did they get the straight jackets? Like, is do you think the idea is that they are like actual like insane asylum patients that got turned into demons, maybe? Or do you think it's just like a like a hot topicy like we got to be on brand, we got to be spooky. It's not enough to just be like scarred monsters. Uh, I don't know. I think in universe, let's just say that they were, I don't know, asylum people who become demons. But I think probably the realistic answer is the is the second part. What you said? Yeah, it's just an aesthetically nice thing. Yeah, it works. It's on brand. Yeah, I uh the the yeah, uh the the aforementioned Wikipedia page had something about that where it's supposed to kind of be like a maybe like a nod to like class distinctions where like the gentlemen are like these like posh looking dudes and then you got the foot people that are definitely not as like well dressed or anything like that and like look like just like literally like the definition of insanity. Um I'm sure it was more eloquently put, but there's there's that <laughs> suggestion yeah there is a lot of thought that people put into this episode isn't there yeah and i mean it's fun um i just again like having seen the episode i i maybe it's because of all the like subplots and stuff like that that it's it's harder to buy you know because like when you actually look at like the episode within like regards to just the gentleman and the foot footmen like there's not that much that you can extrapolate that the episode itself will like outright support to me. Right. And I, and I, I I can't help but think that just the ultimate conceit behind this was just like we said before, Joss Whedon trying to make an episode where he's not relying on his dialogue, trying to show that he could do it. Yeah. And, and he did it very creatively to give him to give him the credit there. But I don't, I just don't know if all that extra meaning was there in the in the initial conception of it or it's kind of come along since which is also which is great but but like you're saying i don't i don't know if that was there before yeah 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 but no i mean it's it's still cool it's still cool to read about and i get it again like why this episode is so kind of like like i mean that's it's really just this and once more with feeling that like I really hear about all the time. And then I guess maybe like the spoiler alert the episode when Buffy's mom dies. Mm, yeah, that's a good like, one too. Yeah, but that one is like that one's just like unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a sad one. Yeah. Um my favorite aspect about this uh this episode is is actually more so just the f- kind of fairy tale esque elements of it. Like Giles uh Giles quickly find, realizes when he's thinking about the, actually, I think it took him a couple of days to realize it, but it was probably quickly within the episode runtime uh, that the poem was from a fairy tale and that these, uh, these creatures have, were either inspired by a fairy tale or have in the, in this universe inspired the fairy tale that Giles discovered about them. Um, and so he's able to discover through the fairy tale that uh, they steal the, the, the voices from a town that they, they go to and they kill seven people because they need seven human hearts to survive. And then they move on. Presumably. Yeah, there's I, it's it, I guess because they use like the we're learning all of this from a fairy tale side of things. They don't have to explain as much. It's fairy tale like, logic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like so how long 
can they last on those seven hearts? Or are they just like going to like random towns and we just never hear about this like citywide like silencing any other time? Like so that was that that was cool to see. Um the I, I agree, the fairy tale nature of it all was like a fun diversion because like it's usually just like a monster comes to town giles already has like a cursory knowledge and then like cracks open a book and it just confirms what he knew uh so like they they this is more or less what that is but they they kind of they kind of have fun with it as far as like with the dream and like the little song that the girl sings and um yeah so it's i mean yeah it's 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 still very much like Giles come like to the rescue with the knowledge, but uh, it felt different enough to not to not be as formulaic as some of the other episodes. Yeah, hundred percent agreed. Um, speaking of needing hearts to survive, they they got a couple, didn't they? How many? What was the kill count here? Uh, I don't know. I only remember seeing them like cut out the one dude's heart, but then like they had a few jars full. Like, did they get the seven? No, they definitely didn't get to seven. Um, yeah, I that's my bad. I do not remember. <laughs> yeah, how they how they kill is that's also a very scary part. They their little footmen like hold down uh, a prospective victim, and the gentlemen come in. As you said, they're dressed really you know posh and very nice, and they have those smiles. Uh, they float into the room and they pull out a scalpel. Um, and they're all very polite throughout all of this too. That's another thing. They're just unnervingly polite, and then they use the scalpel to just cut open and take a heart. And then and there's no anesthetic, which is impolite, but they the person can't scream still, and that's the another part of that scary part. It, the, you you get your chest cavity cut open, you get your heart removed, and you can't scream through any of it. Yeah, it's uh it's the worst. I would not recommend that. Yeah, it doesn't seem fun. I actually read this was inspired by a nightmare that Joss Whedon had when he was a kid about a monster floating towards him kind of endlessly. Oh, yeah, that kind of goes with the sleep paralysis thing I was saying earlier. Yeah, that does tie in, doesn't it? Yeah, because like, that's, like, that's like the nightmares that always freak me out is like when all of a sudden my body just won't do the things that like I take for granted in like waking life. Um, that's That always freaks me out and like sticks with me more than anything else when i like have a dream right um speaking of dreams khalid sometimes i dream about bears (laughs) (laughs) is that a good segue that's a great segue (laughs) thanks (laughs) um yeah so we're 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 at that point where we do the four bears test Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, the four bears test is where I ask the dumb question, what would this movie or what would this movie or story be like if you replace the monster with four bears, would it work the same? Uh, friend of the show, uh, helped kind of make it sound a little smarter. Basically it's just asking like about like the merits of the monster itself. Uh, so yeah, uh, this one's pretty straightforward. No, yeah, it does not pass the four bears test. Um, if I, I guess like even if you're generous and give four bears the power to steal your voices, like they're they're not the people the townspeople aren't deaf, you know. Like the the gentlemen still have to be somewhat quiet to get around and stuff and like take advantage of people not being able to scream, and bears couldn't. Um, you, even if you can't scream, like someone's going to next door hear like your door get bashed down or like a bear growling, let alone four of them. Uh, 
I do think that the threat they pose as far as like a physical threat to Buffy and Riley and anybody else that has to fight them is maybe tantamount to forebears. Joe, help me out here. Do you think they're like as threatening physically? Maybe the footmen. But then Riley couldn't fight a bear, but he can fight these guys. Have we seen Riley fight bears? No, we haven't seen him fight bears. He might be able to fight bears. This, yeah. The the strength ratio on this show is so freaking confusing to me. It's like sometimes like only Buffy can fight something. And then other times you get like in this episode, you get something like Xander, like getting like seven punches in on Spike, which <laughs> never, just never. Like isn't Spike's whole thing that he's like such a bad like B.A. vampire that he killed a Slayer once? Like. So what, what is the, I just, I feel like they, they, they really take like liberties with what strength even is in this show. So I'll, I'll be generous and say, sure, these monsters are as strong as four bears, but they're quieter. So it fails the four bears test. There you go, folks. Uh, a fail. I think that's a couple fails in a row now, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I guess that the moral is that bears aren't a good replacement for movie monsters. <laughs> it works for more beastly monsters like the host and the, and the ones from the attack the block. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not ready to completely give up on this metric just yet. No, we're keeping it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You heard the man. We're keeping it. <laughs> uh, how do we kill them? How do we kill the gentleman? Do you remember the end? Yeah, uh, they have to break the box, and then Buffy gets her voice back, and it's like, I guess a girl's scream is what the fairy tale says, like or the princess's scream, what, which I guess, uh, if you take in very loosely, a slayer is a type of princess. Yeah, in a sense. It, so this is, this is actually kind of th- something I thought was kind of cool, um, and actually, in an interesting way, makes this episode like a kind of a, apt companion piece to our movie we did uh last time it follows which i I said kind of flipped the final girl tropes on its head right yeah 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 so in this case um it sort of flips some of those fairy tale tropes on its head right like like uh the princess is usually the one that needs rescuing and the scream is usually uh meant to evoke fear or show us that that you're scared and in this case um, just as like the sexuality in the last one, flipping the final girl trope on its head, the scream is a weapon. And Buffy, as the quote-unquote princess in this case, doesn't need uh, saving. Love it. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, appreciate it, Khalid. So the gentleman, and I guess we could lump their footmen in there too. Would you fight or flirt? Fight or flirt, yeah. Um, this one, again, it's as easy as the four bears test. Um I think you can fight them. I kind of alluded to it earlier and they really only like seem their most threatening in a one-on-one battle. They never really like pulled out anything that made me think that they themselves like are a lot stronger than they're letting on. Uh, it really just seems as simple as like they'll come in on somebody who's just like in bed defenseless. So uh, first thing I would do is not be that I would get, like four or five close friends and we would all just like shack up in a room full of weapons and the gentlemen themselves don't even do they even fight i don't even think they fight like it's no just they just like, float yeah they just float and watch as the footmen even do it and like it's usually like two footmen max with them so it's like five of my friends with weapons in a world where xander can punch spike a bunch of times without any consequence i'll take my chances 
No flirting this time. So the verdict is? Fight them. Uh, with that, we're probably going to wrap up our podcast uh, episode today. We we were really long on last time's last episode. It follows one was like 55 minutes, but trying to keep it a little bit shorter now. So I think we're going to we're going to wrap it up um, before we go, though. Khalid, is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to say? Uh, I mean, I've been watching like documentaries lately. Just, uh, you know, that the everything's still going on in the world as it is, as we keep alluding to. Uh, so I guess I would recommend, uh, the documentary, uh, 13th by Ava DuVernay. It's on Netflix. It's very informative. Uh, it, it does like one of the best jobs I've ever seen of drawing a line directly from the, uh, abolition of slavery to present day in regards to, what the 13th amendment means and how the prison industrial complex specifically the private prison industrial complex has uh kind of remixed slavery and it's a it's it's just a very interesting watch that gives gives you a a a much clearer understanding than trying to just take in the entire scope of history on your own Hmm. that sounds great i actually haven't seen that yet but i'm a big ava fan so I, i have to check that out yeah, yeah, do it to it, Joe. Yeah, we actually just watched uh, Selma, her other movie, her um, dramatic portrayal of the like the march in Selma. It was really, really good too. If you haven't seen it, it's it's free right now for this month. So yeah, two very good Ava DuVernay projects to check out. <laughs> Always great. I do have something kind of as a bit of a bit of levity, I guess. But I um, I've mentioned that. Uh, I have a child who's not quite two years old and I'm currently um, on summer break as I work as a teacher, which I've also men- mentioned before. So I'm, I have a lot of downtime uh, with, with the daughter and I've been reading a lot of stories with her. And there's a, there's a book that I've kind of enjoyed that I think people who listen to this podcast might, might, might dig. It's, um, it's a parody of the classic book, Good Night Moon. It's called Good Night Goon. It's really fun. There's ghouls, there's bats, there's werewolves, there's mummies, there's Martians invading, uh, there's a Frankenstein creature. Anyway, so kind of a fun bit of monster parenting I thought I'd bring up. Aw, that's cute. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> come, uh, well, next time I come over, I'm going to read it. You should. I think she'd enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Khalid, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at nappy underscore Gilmore underscore so, uh, spelled like it sounds. Uh, I unfortunately just got back into Twitter. He's so back. No, it's not a good thing. Twitter's bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you want to follow me there, it's just at Khalid Hussein, one word, um, for a lot of unnecessary thoughts. Cause that's all Twitter's good for. Um, yeah, that, that's that. What about you, Joe? Where can we find and follow you? Twitter's a good place too. It's just at Joe Praska. Um, I am on Instagram. I think it's also just at Joe Praska. I don't use it as much though. So go Twitter is probably where you want to find most of my cool things that I think and say, I guess. Um, but you should also check out and follow our podcast here on social sites. We're on, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We just uh, got approved to be on pod MN, which is a Minnesota podcasting network, which is pretty cool. I just got the, the confirmation today. And uh, be that sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Be sure, and if I forgot to say this last time, be sure to rate and review if you like this, because that helps us get more people to listen to our thing. Hit us with them five stars, folks. Yeah, we've got we already got four five star reviews, which um, I'm not going to pretend isn't just us and our moms, but I, I'm happy with it. 
Nice. I, my mom gave us a one star. Actually, that's who that was—the one one star review. Oh, so uh, she's hey, she's tough but fair. True, um, fair enough. And wh- the movie we're gonna do next time. We did a show, a show's episode this time. But right, we're we're, we're covering the time, corners. Right? Uh, we're covering the corners of pop culture, right? The two corners. All two corners. Yeah. Yeah, which would be uh, a a, a dua duagon duagon. No, that does that's not a thing. Wow, Joe, you're really dropping your shapes knowledge on us. Yeah. Uh, or, or lack thereof, yeah. burn. Um, yeah, no. So the movie we're doing <laughs> is Jennifer's Body. Yeah, it's star. It's a. Uh, it's starring Megan Fox, and I believe we're gonna have our first guest for that episode, which I'll leave a surprise for now. We are. It's gonna be a very special episode with a guest. Um, if you want to prep for next episode, check out Jennifer's Body. You can find it on the stars with a z app which is either an extension to hulu or you can just download stars there's a they could do a free seven day trial i think but that's where i found it nice i will probably just rent it on amazon but yeah stars app if you want it i think you get like the free trial like joe was saying yeah so that's doesn't what we hurt. check out what stars has all right khalid you wanna you wanna leave us with the send-off yeah yeah thanks for listening and as always creep it easy